Hello. Hello. Who is this? Tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. This is Off the Set with James Tolley. He's Nick Villano, co-host of the Let's Go Devils podcast and the Pucks and Pitchforks blog. He's also my eyes and ears every single morning on Good Morning Tampa Bay behind the scenes. Nick, Nick V, how you doing, bud? I'm good. Good. It's, it's Monday, but, it, you know, we, we've already gotten a nap in, so it doesn't feel so Monday. To right, exactly. And you agreed to do this with me, even though you have to hear my annoying voice for four hours every single morning. So appreciate that. Hey, listen. It could be much worse. Uh, well, you know, we talk back and forth between the commercial breaks and everything else every morning. And I, it's almost Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I told you I wanted to start doing just straight up movie reviews on this off the set show. But it would be like on further review. You know, years later, let's just pick a movie and just dive into just that movie and break it down. This is not being done anywhere else on the Internet, by the way. No, this is the first time ever. uh, This is the most creative thing that we've ever done and original. It's going to blow up. It's going to go viral. And you're the first to to be a part of it here. We welcome you, all the subscribers off the set. And you were stunned when I told you. Yeah, I missed. I like I consider myself a movie buff. I, I have seen hundreds, if not thousands of movies in my life. I have probably seen thousands of movies. Let's just be honest. And I told you I had never seen Scream. And it blew your mind. Yeah, I mean, everybody's seen Scream except for James yeah, Tully. Yeah, so, I, I, I mean, never, it's, I never it was saw the it. quintessential movie of the '90s, and we're around the same age, yeah. so it's not like you weren't old enough in the '90s to watch the movie. <laughs> so, I was, a little, I was a little thrown off. Well, I was thrown off when I when I looked it up and I saw when it actually came out. Scream came out in 1996, so that immediately made me feel old because I, of course. Remember when that was in theaters, when it was huge? It came out right around Christmas time in 1996. I'll give you a little plot summary. Here you go. A year after her mother's death, Sydney Prescott, Nev Campbell, and her very cute teeth, and her friends started experiencing some strange phone calls. They later learned the calls were coming from a crazed serial killer in a white face mask and a large black robe that has since become very iconic. Looking for revenge, his phone calls usually consist of many questions, the main one being, what's your favorite scary movies? Ending with bloody pieces of innocent lives scattered around the small town of Woodsboro. Scream. Hello? Hello? Who is this? Tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. Uh, I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? Because I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. He didn't make the rules. The police are always on track. If they watch Palm Night, it's safe time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. Everybody's a suspect! Come on! Not scared, are you? Scream. 
there you have it. And I got to tell you, I, uh, I had to, of course, order this. I had to rent it on, uh, on Amazon. And I had to rent it twice because I started it. And then I got uh, a little sidetracked with some work-related things. And I only had 48 hours to watch the damn thing. So then I had to, had to rent it again more than 48 <laughs> hours later. So I, I paid twice for this baby to do this. So I'm ready, I'm ready to rock. I've definitely invested in it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, if you're going to pay twice for any scary movie, uh, this is this has got to be one of them. This is definitely one of the uh, one of the better ones of recent times. You know, I'm not counting the slasher flicks of the 70s and 80s, but if you talk about the ones since 1990 and above, mm-hmm. there's not a lot, you know, uh, and a lot of the, the scarier ones from that time, like you think of Blair Witch Project, mm-hmm. Paranormal Activity, things like that, had a very specific goal they had the goal of like is this real is this not and that seemed to be you know moving away from the traditional slasher but then you look at this and we said it it's almost like it's a parody of itself Mm. you know it's it's a slasher flick it's definitely a slasher flick but it's also and and, you know wes craven the the creator of this will say it himself or not the creator the the director he'll say to himself like this is you know, this is meant to be a satire almost, but at the same time, built within it is its own slasher flick. So it's almost like two concepts hitting at once. It is. It's very self-aware, and it had it at the time reinvigorated a dead genre, which is what you brought up. This slasher mm-hmm. pick, uh, the Friday the Thirteenth, the Halloween, the uh, what did I miss? Nightmare on Elm Street. Those types of movies, mm-hmm. they were they were DOA, uh, no pun intended. They they were they were yeah. done. I mean, a lot of sequels there, many direct to video viewer interest wasn't really a part of it. And the opening weekend, this movie only made about between five and six million dollars, which was considered a bomb. However, even around Christmas time, people, the word of mouth, really got out there, and in the 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 following weeks, it made a lot of money. At the end of it, then by the by the time it all was said and done, this was a was a hundred million dollar box office movie in nineteen ninety six. That's huge, especially on the budget. Okay, let's talk about our categories. We're gonna do we're gonna do what makes it great, which we really already got into. Our favorite scenes, a little bit of movie trivia, what doesn't hold up twenty five years later, and there's lots of that. And then how could it have been even better? This is the point where we you know, with all the things we've accomplished in our lives, we act like we could actually have produced a better movie, which you know. Of course. You know, it's what everybody on the internet does these days. All those YouTube guys, those bloggers, everybody else, they just act like they could, of course, they could go and hire all these actors and produce this and make it even better. So, whatever. James, this is is very simple stuff. Making a movie is very (laughs) simple. So, we're just trying to help them out. We're helping them. I'm doing a service to the people who are millionaires to help them out. We do four hours of TV news every single day. I mean, we're we're more than halfway there, right? Yeah, I mean, we we got the on-camera portion of it, and that's basically the whole thing. Okay, best, what makes it great? We got into a lot of this. I immediately, when I started watching this movie, the opening scene is really what makes it great. And I think that's what a lot of people think when they think of Scream. They think of Drew Barrymore, who really had top billing in this movie. In that opening scene, it only took her five days to shoot it. It's the, what's your favorite scary movie? And when Mm -hmm. she talks to the serial killer on the phone, realizes he's right outside her house, her boyfriend is supposed to be coming over to watch a movie. She's popping that Jiffy Pop popcorn on the stove. 
And then she realized he's tied up out there and he gets filleted and, well, she later does too. Look, listen, everything about that, it's a mastercraft in, mm-hmm. in horror storytelling. And I'm not a huge horror fan, but that opening scene is, it's, it's about perfect. It, it's, it, there's so many things about it. Drew Barrymore is awesome. And there's a couple of things that really stood out to me. When she, her parents come home, and she has already been stabbed a couple of times by the ghost face, the screen mask killer. Mm-hmm. And you do not have any reveal in this opening scene about who this could possibly be. Which, of course, that's the way it should be. But remember when she is crawling away from this killer. And her parents are walking up to the door, totally unaware of what they're about to see. And she kind of like has that gasping, like trying to say help. And she can't, she can't get the words out. That's perfect. That is that is suspense. That is that is horror. That's your slasher. That's your classic slasher scene. Uh, that sticks with me a lot. It was it was good stuff, man. Yeah, I mean that opening scene is iconic for a reason. Um, it, beyond just the surprise of the main character dying so quickly, I mean it's you know you think about all the great things in the past of that shock usually sets a tone. I mean, you think about Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Like, is Game of Thrones what Game of Thrones is if they don't kill Ned Stark in that first season? Sorry, spoiler alert. But if you haven't seen Game oh, of Thrones, Oh, listen, this, whole, thing, this whole thing's full of spoilers. So, And, and yeah, you know what? So, if you're like me and hadn't seen this Scream movie and it's been 24 years, there's not much we can say to you. Sorry, guys. Sorry, folks. I'm going to spoil the whole damn thing. Yeah, yeah. thing. Um, but you, you think of Game of Thrones... And, and how big it got is because right off the bat, it yeah, was kill, like, kill the main Whoa. character. So, so you have this intrigue of how do you go from here? Where do you go next? And I think that's why, I mean, you mentioned it a couple minutes ago where it's like, it didn't do well the first week. I think it only made like $6 million on a $14 million budget. So they thought, well, we just blew some money on this. Wes Craven, another, another bomb at the box mm-hmm. office. And, um, but that surprise and that shock gets people talking it's so odd that this came out when it did it just felt like it was dropped in the wrong year like it feels like a 99 movie like that epic 1999 i thought it was when we were talking about i I really thought it was late 90s i i or even early 2000s i was really thrown off by that it just again made me feel really old but yeah (laughs) whatever it reinvigorated an entire genre it's very self-aware this movie it it Mm -hmm. loves to poke fun at other horror movies at the same time using it and incorporating it (laughs) into the plot which Turns out to be really, really effective. Other things that that made it great, just the iconic parts of this. What's your favorite scary movie has become one of the most popular lines in the history of horror movies, and I knew that without even seeing this thing. The scream, the mm. scream mask itself uh, has become an iconic piece of horror movies, an iconic piece of Halloween, even though it's important to know here, this movie didn't come out around Halloween. But that has mm. become, I mean, every Halloween, it's just, it's a very iconic thing. 
it's just full of it's an instant classic at the time <laughs> it is a classic it, it was an instant classic at now yeah. we can look back and say it's it's truly a classic yeah no it absolutely and and most of it stands the test of time which is saying something about those 90s movies it's it's very rewatchable it's very you could bring somebody in now like you who's never seen it and you could drop them into it and they could get into it and it's it's a movie that keeps you away from your phone, which is rare nowadays. It's a movie that if it's like blinking, you miss it, but it's not so blinking you miss it that you're lost. Like no. it'll catch you up still. So it's got both those things working for it. So I think it's very workable, uh, and for people today that don't have that mindset that we maybe you know that people seem to have when there wasn't as much like things on the internet, things on your phone, things like that, so many things distracting you, you still can get into this movie. I think a lot of that, and what really makes this great, and the thing that really gets people and, and got people to come and the word of mouth and to tell people how great it was, is the whodunit aspect of it is one of the best whodunits that I've ever seen. That you kept changing who you physically thought could have done all this. It's like, well, you well, let's, know, let's talk. Let's talk about who, that a little bit. So the, the yeah. movie centered around Sydney Prescott, Nev Campbell. Her backstory is pretty basic. Her mom was murdered, raped, and murdered. Mm. And they did put somebody behind bars by it. A very strange cameo from Liev Schreiber, who's actually a really big actor now. He the, yeah. plays the. He's got top billing in the Ray Donovan show, which I told you I really liked. Back in 1996, however, he only had two years of experience working in movies. So he didn't have, he didn't have a speaking role. You just see him in like the back of a cop car in some archive footage. Anyway. Like five seconds. Like five seconds. Was, I'm like, oh, that's all, that's all he got. But then again, I looked and I said, well, he didn't really have much of a career yet at that point. Anyway, yeah. so you... It, it, it start out with this with with Casey Becker. Uh, that's who Drew Barrymore plays. I don't exactly mm. know her connection to Sydney Prescott, other than the classmate or just yeah, they went to the same school. Okay, but obviously they went to the same school because it sends shockwaves yeah. through Woodsboro High School. Yeah. I don't know where are we supposed to be in Woodsboro. By where's the movie set? What state? We don't really ever say. It's something mountainous, maybe it's like some, yeah, it's something like the Midwest. Totally right? Midwest. It's, it's, yeah, you got the Midwest. Vibe. It felt very Ohio, Indiana kind of like up, feeling, upstate, something, something, upstate. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Mm. They, but I mean, like you look at the houses, and and this is very slasherific, but just like what do these people do that they're living in this tiny, tiny town with you know massive houses? I don't know what the homes would go there for, but if you do, you bought that house in Tampa, Florida, it's a three million. Oh, house, oh the houses you know, so. are million dollar homes anywhere. Yeah, yeah they're so it's, it's just like, it's like, what are people doing living in this tiny town? But I guess it could be like a suburb of a city. I don't right, know. Right. But I always think about that. Like the when you go to actual small towns, like these giant houses don't exist. No, it's no, like no, I don't. I, I've never. I grew up in a small town. We didn't. We didn't see houses like that. Nonetheless, no. Sydney Prescott, Nev Campbell, uh, her classmate gets murdered, and then we start dropping all these clues. These some mostly red herrings about who. Who who are the who's the murderer? And mm -hmm. she's got uh, this creepy boyfriend, uh, Johnny Depp Light, uh, Skeet Ulrich, who looks. I mean, he looks a lot like Johnny Depp in this movie. It, so it's, it's crybaby Johnny Depp. It, I mean, they wanted Johnny Depp so bad for this role and couldn't get him. Actually, we'll get to that in movie trivia a little bit. I'll, I'll save that anyway. Skeet Ulrich, what's your favorite Skeet Ulrich movie, Nick? 
I mean, I, I honest to goodness, know Skeeto Rich from Riverdale, and I'm not afraid to admit this. Right, like, fine. he's the dad to Jughead in Riverdale. Okay. So that's that's what I like about him. He, 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 he was good. He was good in this movie. It, it wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, he wasn't bad. So you got him. He's a. Uh, He's, he's a dark, brooding guy, and the first time you meet him, he's sneaking up in her window, and uh, then you've got his what, a couple of friends in the group there. Matthew Lillard is another one. He played uh, Shaggy in the Scooby-Doo live-action movies. Uh, actually, Matt, Matt Lillard was in a bunch of teenage rom-coms in like around this time. Uh, Summer Catch, I think, is, is the one that comes to mind for me. I think he played like the best friend. He's like the best friend guy. In in yeah. the in the rom coms, um, but I mean, and no offense to Matthew Lillard, but has there ever been a more obvious person that was going to fall off the face of Hollywood? <laughs> His role was just going to be, listen, he he's fine at what he did for a little while, but that doesn't last longer than twenty three, twenty four. <laughs> yeah, and then what do you do? I know. So I feel like you know he was also the one I remember from him was without a paddle. And it was oh, yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. oh, that was it. Yeah, that was yeah, it. it was, he got a little too goofy. You're doing in that. Seth Green movies. So he's he's goofy in this one too, but we'll talk about that later. But anyway, yeah. and then there's a few other in the circle. Jamie Kennedy, a comedian. He had a show on Comedy Central. He was in a, a bunch of bombs over the years. Um, funny. I mean, he's had success. He's another one of the friends. He's the one who sets the rules. He said, and this is the self-aware part. And I actually have the rules up here. You know, they, they talk about there are he works at a video rental store and he's he's the buff and he's movie buff and he's always talking about, you know, it there's a murderer out there and there are rules in horror movies. Number one, you will not survive if you have sex. Never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Cause you won't be back. Get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Everyone is a suspect. He has fun with that one. And then from the killer, there's two additional rules. You will not survive if you ask who's there. You will not survive if you go out to investigate a strange noise. The rules, the horror movie rules. Again, that they're all there. This movie, again, centers around. It plays off all the previous slasher flicks that came before it. Uh, really smart stuff. So we just, that's how this movie rolls. It, we're just, throughout it, we're, we're the killer's, attacking again and then another character shows up right after the killer or when the killer's there either to rule them out or keep them a suspect and it keeps you going like that until the very end but since we're going to spoil the hell out of this thing i will tell you i i knew exactly who the killer was right away so did you guess did you guess matthew lillard as well <laughs> did you guess both of them that's the part that threw no me i'm like it seems I, like I, i'm like they're trying to throw me off this thing so it turns out that that the, the kill it's really two of them it, it, it's it's matthew lillard and skeet ulrich's character so it's nev campbell's boyfriend and her best friend and yeah. i knew it was the johnny depp light i knew it was i knew skeet ulrich was I, I knew it was him somehow and i'm like this movie's trying to throw me off but I'm 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 telling it, it's it's him. It, it, it's he's got the motivations. It's there. They're gonna maybe do a little a little tweak to it. It was it, and Matthew Lillard turns out to be the other the other killer, and I'm like the only reason the only reason why I would disagree with the obvious. I think that they did the shock of that first scene with Drew Barrymore. Kind of going back to right. that set you up to know that like anything is possible here, and obviously the boyfriend does. It makes the most sense, and it's the one that. You should think, but I'm always thinking like, well, if you threw me off at the beginning, you know, maybe it's Randy, 
Maybe it's Gail Weathers, who I'm sure we'll get into, being that she's a part of our profession. And, you know, maybe it's the principal, who I know you want to touch on. Maybe it's, you know, I, I think Dewey, you could pretty much write off pretty quickly just because he's... He doesn't well, make sense. Almost where because he I get I've never seen this movie and I'm like, if you really want to throw throw a curveball at me, you make do David Arquette's in this movie and yeah. Courtney Cox. And Courtney Cox is Gail Weathers, the uh, tabloid reporter, like cheesy tabloid show reporter. Uh and, and she's in a very important role in this. She's probably the biggest star, I think, outside of Drew Barrymore at the time. Yeah. Probably. From from Friends, yeah. you know, the Friends fame and everything. And and she is investigating or had investigated Sydney's mom's murder and now she's hot on the trail of this one with these kids getting killed and everything. Um But I'm like, if you really throw me a curveball, make make David Arquette the goofy cop the killer, but I'm like, nah, that's not this kind of movie. And I'm also I'm also was in yeah. the back of my head I'm thinking this this movie never would have had the it never would have had the legitimacy, the popularity, whatever else, if he's the killer. It makes sense. And it turns out these two guys, they're psychos. They're psychotic. And and you yeah. really, that, there's a, there, the talk about best scenes here. As we move, let's move into best scenes. The whole party scene at the end. It, it, it's a, it seems like it's, it's 40 minutes of the movie where they're at a house party. And it works. It's Matthew Lillard's house. So everything is set up there. And all the kids go there because they're kind of quarantined, which is a weird thing actually to see in this movie with everything we're going through in 2020. But because of these murders, they basically have a curfew and they make all these kids stay in their houses early at night. So they have a house party, which is what, of course, kids would do, right? And yeah. it plays, the, the climax of, the, of this whole movie plays out at, at this house party where you the killers are revealed. And these guys, like, they had always been a little off throughout the movie, especially Matt Lillard's character, and then they just they go full they go full throttle at the end, and they just get they they just appear to be really crazy. What's the matter, Sydney? You look like you've seen a ghost. <laughs> Why are you doing this? It's all part of the game, Sydney. It's called Guess How I'm Gonna Die. It's a fun game, Sydney. See, we ask you a question, and if you get it wrong, you die. You get it right. You die. You're crazy, both of you. Yeah, she pretty term psychotic. We'll never get away with this. They go full bore. They go they, right. They, like they, they go for it. It's like they had been teetering yeah. on it, and all of a sudden they're just like they're acting like a couple of mental patients. They say turn into the skid, and they 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 cut the wheel all the way because they you know they were, they were trying to work on it, and then I mean the whole thing like just think about. Skid Ulrich's character just licking the corn syrup off his, yeah. off corn his shirt. Corn syrup. Like, Used it for pig's blood and carry. And it's everything yeah, with him is a movie. Like, Every, it, it, yeah, oh, yeah. A lot of these guys make, make references to movies. They do, you know, and I, it's great. I counted at least 15. You know, there's Psycho, there's Nightmare on Elm Street, mm -hmm. which is a funny callback to Wes Craven. You know, there's Friday the 13th. There's so many just mentions, small mentions that had a very large role in this movie where they kind of just... They, and he has a he has a line that I'm trying to remember specifically where he kind of basically like he it uh, scary movies don't make psychos it just gives them motivation or it gives them right. creativity or something like that so I was like wow that's like that's kind of genius because like it's true like it's the whole like do video games make kids violent it's like no but it could make violent kids get bad ideas or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know? that's, that's right. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's not the root of it, right? Yeah. It's, it could, you know, 
tack on to. It, it could drive it. It could, you know? it could so drive I, And that's, I, I just, that's another part. We'll get to that in movie trivia. I think you know what we're going to talk about, what, this is, what yeah. this is possibly based off of, and then what you know, might have happened after it and everything else. Tons of sequels here. We'll get to that in movie trivia, too. Uh, best scenes, Nick? You want to throw any other scenes in there you really like? The garage scene was great. I, I thought that, Uh-oh. and then this isn't even the one I we're mentioned gonna, to you, gonna, but I watched gonna, it We're going to have today. a problem here. Oh, you don't like the garage scene? I thought it was so self-aware that it became like, oh, okay. just, she threw a beer at him. The The garage door absolutely should not kill a person, nope. but it did. She went in the doggy door. It doesn't make sense, but it's just like, if you're watching, and maybe it's because I've seen it a couple times, and this is your first watching of it, so you're looking at it from that like, Oh, this is cheesy and dumb, but I'm looking at it from like this is cheesy and dumb. You know, so it's kinda like <laughs> Yeah, that yeah it sure is. it's just perspective. Well we're probably seeing the same scene in the same way. And just because my perspective is I've seen this probably twenty times at this point, it's like this is just hilarious. And like the gore factor of the blood dripping down the garage yeah, door. That nobody in the house noticed that the garage door was opening and made all this crazy noise and basically almost exploded. And there's screams, and it's just, it's just hilarious. Listen, all it takes is a pine needle at the top of my garage door to make it go back down. So I, I of course, I just think it's ridiculous that it would, it would pick her up and crush her at the top. It's, and it, like the little tiny motor you see, they, they keep cutting back to it. The little garage door opener motor is shaking, and then the light blows out. Yeah. Uh, all right, fine. Uh, any other? That's the, that's just my, my, my thought of it was that it was such a parody. And it was making fun of itself so much that, again, it was turning into the skid so far that you have to appreciate it. That's kind of what, how That's I fair. looked at it. That's fair. All right, let's uh, let's get into movie trivia. You have it. I know you have a couple. You've been doing some real crack research on this the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, you know. Do we start with the obvious, the the motivation behind? Yeah, I it? think that's I think that's the one you start with. Yep. So I. I um, I believe his name is Kevin Williamson. Yeah, Kevin Williamson. He wrote the script. Apparently, wrote the screenplay. I mean, yeah, he uh, and and before you know, he was apparently like downtrodden, couldn't pay his bills. Just you know the the typical you know screenwriter just looking for work kind of thing. And he's sitting in somewhere in Florida, you know, and they're talking about the Gainesville murders, which uh, I believe happened in 1994. Um, uh, a man, like, I, I guess he was a drifter kind of thing, went to college town of Gainesville where the University of Florida is. Um, Daniel Rowling, that's his name. Danny Rowling went to Gainesville and, and got, you know, he eventually got convicted of uh, killing five people. And they're apparently extremely gruesome murders. And, you know, we're in the news business. We know how far you have to get into it sometimes. And, Apparently that specific newscast probably and knowing what market Gainesville is and, and kind of the inexperience of how to decipher out those details. I bet you it got pretty graphic for, a, you know, a newscast. So he said he could not sleep to the point that he stayed up and just wrote the script or he wrote the opening scene. And he said the, he wrote the script basically in a few days, you know, five or six days. And then, you know, obviously there's tweaks in here and there, but to put together this movie that that is so creative and so genre defining to do it so quickly and and to write that opening scene just kind of just off the cuff off the top of your head and just be like man i can't sleep it's 3 a.m all right give me a pen and paper let's do it and those are those creative types those are those really smart types that 
when when they have something like when you and me can't sleep, we just roll around and throw on the TV or Correct. something. When these creative types can't sleep, they get up and they get productive. And man, I wish I wish I could do that. I wish I had that motivation, but I'm usually just trying to get back. To I sleep. also wish I had that motivation, but he's clearly a, a huge horror movie fan because there's so many Easter eggs in here and there's so many things. But then, you know, you have Wes Craven, who's a master horror director who at, really makes it come alive because you need you need to have all of the different shots incorporated here and the way that the cuts are made and the different things that are shown and not shown and everything else. It, it's just so much and it's why it's so rewatchable and you can go back and like you said, you've seen it 20 times and you'll still pick out something new each, each and every time. Like there's in the very beginning of the movie before she, before Sydney, Nev's, Nev Campbell's characters is first attacked by the, by the ghost face killer. And by the way, that guy sure gets his butt kicked a lot. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. he? I mean, that's part of it too. I mean, he had beers thrown at him in the garage scene where Rose McGowan gets murdered. You have, I mean, like Nev Campbell kicks him and he like flies back like WWE style. There's like a flat back yeah. bump. Um, it, he gets beat up in every single scene, um, which I think is part of it, you know, because you want to, that's like an audience rooting for type of thing. Like you want to get behind the the, the hero, the, the female hero of the story. Yeah. You want to kick, kick his butt a little bit every single time. But yeah, it, it really, uh, that I was going to mention the, the scene in, in the beginning where you notice her dad comes in to say that he's leaving for the weekend. So I'll leave my 16 year old daughter home alone for a weekend. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, a year. And he's leaving for the one year anniversary of his wife's death, right. and her mother's death, which is like, yeah. After, by the way, okay. a classmate had been murdered, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. it might be a good idea to cancel your trip and stay home. No big no, deal. No big deal. Uh, but you notice he tries to get in the get in their, her bedroom, and she had her closet door pinned against her her uh, mm -hmm. her door, which of course, ha you know, later in the movie, she uses that to block the ghost face killer from coming in. Little little touches like that really make it rewatchable. Um, the you know, I, I I liked every scene that Henry Winkler was in. The Fonz he appears unbilled in this movie as the school principal, and he's great. I. Uh, <laughs> and apparently the reason he, he appeared on Bill is because he didn't want to take any um, of the attention away from the young actors. Uh, I don't know if that's true. That's that's uh, some internet trivia for you. But there is a scene where he op he's he's about to be attacked by the killer. And he just swings open and like an armoire he has in his office. And there is the Fonzie leather jacket hanging there. Not to mention he also sees himself in the mirror. And he's like, oh, okay, it's just me. And then he, he kind of combs his hair back Fonzie style, which is, which is a cool little touch there. Again... Self-aware movie. People are watching. Hey, it's a Fonz. Hey, yeah. hey. So you know he's gonna do the Fonzie stuff. I, I, I like. I got a kick out of that big time. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the funny thing. And then that's like Henry Winkler has been in a lot of stuff in the past twenty years. Um, beyond, so he's kind of built beyond the Happy Days fame. But then back I mean, then he was the Fonz, yeah. and that was it. Yeah. So now he, he's done so many things now that I think he's at least grown a little bit past that. But this is then, this is right before Waterboy, which was I think his yeah. his renaissance when, when he began his second career and was getting some parts and, and actually doing some stuff. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I think that it was just funny that he was he. I mean, a lot of these actors, you know, you, you think of um, how much they try to move past the. You know, I, I, I can name a billion, but they when they get that iconic role every role after that they want like directors want them to be that person it's like be the fonz in this movie be the fonz in this movie yeah so it's it's great that he allows them to at least acknowledge it and kind of touch on it because i know a lot of actors that would just 
flat out say, I want to move on from that. Don't even mention it. I want to be Henry Winkler in screen. Yeah. You want to do movie trivia? Yeah, let's let's do it. Okay. I uh, I did went over the rules. The one, you know, this is a, a bit of a nit a nitpick here, but I, I didn't necessarily think this movie was that gory. Then again, it's twenty five years old. You know, there's been a lot of stuff out, especially in the day and age of streaming, and you know, some of the content that's allowed to go through on these streaming services. I I wasn't necessarily nothing made me jump, nothing grossed me out. But then again. It's been 25 years, and there's been lots of stuff. You know, you talk, you mentioned Game of Thrones at the top of things. There's been a lot of shows that have really pushed the limit. Not to mention the the, the boys on Amazon, one of the newest uh, shows out there. Uh, that really pushes the, the limits as far as violence goes. However, yeah. uh, the film was sent to the Motion Picture Association of America nine times for reconsideration to avoid an NC-17 rating. Which, if if you're listening to this, you're not familiar. You know, these R-rated movies that push the limit, they've got to avoid the NC-17 because it's a marketing nightmare because nobody under 17 can go see it. I mean, you can't even go with an adult. Like, they, you're not... A, I mean, the movie theater's not supposed to let you in to go see it. it it's a kiss of death. I mean, you're just going to make so much less money. So basically, Wes Craven cut out a lot of stuff, allegedly. And Bob Weinstein, who produced this, I think you know who his brother is, um... He stepped in and he got the R rating. And what he did was he went to the MPAA and told them, view it as a comedy, don't view it as a horror film. And, and that's and that, that legitimately one of my favorite pieces of movie trivia ever. Like, ever. Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that a producer, like, the, the back and forth between the, uh, the, the, what is it, the rating commission or the rating... I forget the at the MPA or whatever the the heck is called. The people who make the ratings, people yeah. who decide what the ratings are. There's this. There's always this back and forth, even on like Disney movies. It's like, oh, it's PG. I want it to be G. You know, you're making a PG thirteen because, uh, you know, well, what if I took out one of the F words? What uh, you know? What if I take out this? What if I take out that? Yeah. What does it really matter if, in the long run? It's just it's yeah. ridiculous that they count the it's, F words and yeah, I know. It's honestly an opinion, and that just shows it. He went to them and was like, it's the same movie. Just watch it as a comedy. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then that changed. That's and, one of my favorite pieces of movie trivia. Over the years, you know, people that have made raunchy movies, Nick, they, they've said, like, we've gotten stuff through because we've just, for the heck of it, filmed something even raunchier and threw it in there, and they told us to take that out, but we left the other thing we really wanted in in that we didn't think we'd be able to keep in there. So it's a game that, that movie producers play with the – MPAA all the time. So, weird one, whatever. Uh, Skeet Ulrich, of course, he plays the killer, and one of the killers in this movie. He was cast because of his resemblance to Johnny Depp, according to Internet Movie Database. Um, Johnny Depp had a big role in Nightmare on Elm Street. So that was, that was, one, that was the producers, the filmmakers' motivations there. They, they kind of did want that, that brooding figure, that Bi Billy Loomis looked a little like Johnny Depp. Thought it was pretty good. Did you yeah, know, I didn't know that one. Did you know that Joaquin Phoenix turned down the role of Billy Loomis? I didn't know that either. That, Allegedly. That, didn't, that didn't come up. Allegedly. From the things I saw. A couple of actresses who didn't get the role of Sidney Prescott, Melissa Joan Hart. Sabrina. I heard of that one. Sabrina, I heard the, Joan Hart. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And uh, help me out, Nickelodeon. Um, Clar Clarissa, oh, Clarissa Explains Ex It Clarissa All. Explains it all. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't get it. Brittany Murphy. Uh, she passed several years ago. Yeah, yeah Melanie Linsky too. Uh, yeah, the audition didn't get it. Nev Campbell beat him out. And 
one of the reasons Nev Campbell really got this, because Wes Craven here, another piece of trivia, he, of course, had seen her in Party of Five. That was her big thing at the time. It's, it, yeah. Party of Five came out in 1994. She had a couple seasons out under her belt. And he really thought she could play a character who was innocent, but could also realistically handle herself while dealing with physical conflict and emotions required by the role. So he saw that in her. And she does. She does a great job. I mean, she's this movie, you couldn't imagine with anybody else. I don't think. I mean, it's, it's Nev Campbell's movie, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She. I mean, she plays this part perfectly. So they made the right move. Um, I don't know if I could have believed, like, a Brittany Murphy, you know, just seeing her other movies and just kind of seeing... I don't know if she would be as believable as everything that Nev Candle has to be. She has to be the virgin, but she also has to fight the guy. She also has to be, mm. you know, sad when those girls make fun of her in the bathroom. Like, she has to be all these different emotions. I feel like Brittany Murphy just, she just doesn't, that's not what I see as from her or from, like, even Melissa Joan Hart. And then, I don't know, I mean, Melissa Joan Hart, you only know her for very specific roles, so it's kind of typecasting, but... Um, I just feel like Nev Campbell feels like the best, the best casting in this entire. She's a, movie. she's got a little bit of a darker edge to her. I don't think Melissa Joan Hart, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, has uh, has ever really been challenged in a, in a role like this. I don't think we've ever really seen mm-hmm. her have to, you know, do something like this. I could be wrong. Maybe there's a Lifetime movie out there or something that I missed, but I don't think I don't think so. I, I got one more one more little trivia thing for you. Uh, well, I told you a couple of days ago that my, what I think is by far the scariest movie I've ever seen is the original Exorcist. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they make a reference to it in this movie. I missed it. I had to go back and, and catch it. But when Billy Loomis, around 14 minutes in, sneaks into Sidney's room, he mentions he was watching The Exorcist, which I totally missed. Uh, Linda Blair, who played Reagan, the little girl that gets possessed in the movie, actually has a cameo mm. as a reporter at the 39-minute mark. Look and you'll find her. Linda Blair. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. There's a few other cameos like that. Did you have any any trivia you wanted to uh, go through? Um, the, I had two yeah. things. The one thing is that obviously everybody knows that Wes Craven – well, I don't know if everybody knows this, but the janitor that talks to um, Henry Winkler – Right before he gets murdered, that's Wes Craven dressed up as Freddy Krueger, the janitor. Did not know that. So that's that's Wes Craven. Okay, cool. Um, and but my other like a lot of people know that, but one thing I didn't know until I started uh, doing research for this is that he also donned the ghost face mask in the Drew Barrymore scene. Oh, and that was the only time he ever played the part. And I don't know why he was, I don't know if he was forced to, or if he just felt like it. Like, he was like, oh, I'm going to do it. He didn't do the whole scene, but for part of the scene, that's Wes Craven in the ghost face mask chasing after Drew Barrymore. I like that. Um, but you know what happened the there? Cool- he, it was probably the first thing they shot, and he did it. He's like, the hell no, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. I can't direct and put this hot this. mask it's, on. It's, there's a lot of running. and <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, but the cool thing that I, I found about this movie is that the guy behind the voice and uh, I had his name up two seconds ago. Just um, uh, his name is Ro- Roger, Roger Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, but he was not allowed to meet the cast. They never met the voice. He was. He, they pulled him up in the house, and he was calling from the house in the Drew Barrymore scene. But Drew Barrymore never met him. And they always. Uh, Wes Craven wanted to always associate his voice only with his voice and have that that scare 
and have that it just it, it's one of those weird director things that like you're like that's so over the top that you're making this guy sit in a closet and never meet the rest of the cast but he's like no i want that voice to always drive fear into them and i don't want them to put a face because if you put a face to it and you know who's behind it then you're not gonna feel that fear because you're associating something else besides that so i was like that's it's one of those weird directors. It's a, it's a psychological thing. You, you don't know. You don't yeah. know who the voice is, and it'll help yeah. with the acting a bit. The I, I saw this too. I, I don't know if I believe it, but Drew Barrymore, even at the time, she's she's a huge animal rights activist, and apparently to make her cry and look upset, Wes Craven kept telling her really horrible stories about stuff that happened to animals. I. I, I didn't write I mean of course I just said it I didn't write it down because I, yeah. I find that to be ridiculous I, I absurd it seems like one of those over the top it, after afterwards they tell kind of mo movie trivia things like here we're gonna drop these little nuggets to get people excited about the movie kind of not 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 I don't know about that one I, I was you yeah, know one yeah. thing I don't really want to get into too much but in the years after this movie there has been several murders that it's believed the motivation came from this movie from the Ghostface Killer. Uh, that's a little too, little, it's a little too blue for this podcast. I, yeah. and, and again, that a lot of that's really hard to confirm. Um, I'm not just going to look on a Wikipedia page and, and assume that that's that's true. But also, I mean that. But you could say there's, there's so many things that influence people. You know, yeah. Nick, you can't just say it's this. Well, and that's the thing. We're in this business where we have to make those decisions of whether or not to mention things like mm -hmm. that. And I, I, most of the time, and I think you're the same way, where I'm like, I don't even know what the motivation would be because what what are, basically we as a people want a reason. We always want a motive, a reason. Why did you do this? And how, like, what caused this? And how do we fix it? And honestly, scary movies is just the easiest fix. It's like, oh, it's entertainment. Oh, it's something easily cut out, something we can easily protect our kids from, something we can easily clutch our pearls and, mm -hmm. and, and things like that. So I think that a lot of it, you know, they want to blame something. They want somebody to point the finger at and they don't want to look at, you know, and I don't want to get into this too much because we could go down a rabbit hole, but they don't want to look at mental health issues because that's scary that people could just be like that. yeah so they blame it, the scapegoat they blame the scapegoat is is the movie is the video game is the piece of media or whatever right that's what you that's where you're going with that yeah, yeah. we see it yeah. happen I all the time did they blame marilyn manson for for that school should the columbine school shooting they blame marilyn manson like you know it's it's just easy it's the easy way out yeah and that's and that's something we could of course get down an ugly rabbit hole on but i i just i had to mention it because it nonetheless yeah, it's course. an influential movie so you know whatever all right so the uh uh, last two categories, we can just bunch them together. What doesn't hold up and what could have been even better? Uh, I'll just say mm. this. Caller ID would have solved this a whole lot sooner. Um, caller ID actually did exist. And after this movie, reportedly, the sale of caller ID and that service went up <laughs> went up dramatically with people uh, de demanding that they have it after after watching this movie. Because, you know, you get a call from a number and you don't know who it is and whatever else. Um, mm. Early, the early, very early iteration of the cell phone that we see drop out of Billy mm -hmm. Loomis's pocket at one point. You know, a little, a little clue that he might be in on this uh, and mm -hmm. might be the ghost face killer. Did, did you see? Did you happen to see the cell phone that fell out of Billy Loomis's pocket? A nineteen ninety six version. You could have knocked somebody out with uh, that thing. The thing was a absolute brick. brick. Um, as far as what doesn't hold up, I didn't find any of the murder scenes. 
especially creative or memorable, just the, you know, the stabbing, whatever else. Then again, I'm a little desensitized from all the things I've watched since then. And also all of the things that other filmmakers have taken from this movie and improved upon. You know what I mean? So it's really not fair. You have to take yourself back to 1996 and where we were with stuff. Um, very well shot, very well directed, but there's nothing. I mean, the garage murder scene, as you mentioned, the ridiculous one is probably the only, the only one. The opening scene with Drew Barrymore, you know, that's shocking in its own right and, and, and really well done. But there's nothing I thought like eye popping or like extremely memorable about any of the death scenes in this. No. Yeah, like just the garage door was the only one that, and maybe that's why I liked it because it was the only creative. It pretty, way to it really was. Everything movie. else is just a stabbing. Boy, really. Yeah. Boy, I hope I hope nobody takes this out of context. <laughs> but but yeah. you know you know what I you're so you're on the same page in me. You understand what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. just the the, not, no. the killing scenes were just normal, yeah. you know, not slasher flick esque. And you would think that a parody of a slasher flick like this would almost go the opposite and go over the right. top with the killing scenes. Just have them like. You know, I, I don't know, make them explode in an air conditioner or something, you know, like I don't, something crazy. But for all we know, maybe some stuff was cut, you know, that, that to avoid yeah. the maybe, maybe, maybe. All right. La the other, the only other thing I'm going to bring up is just the reporter, uh, Courtney Cox's character. Look, I could, <laughs> I mean, I could discredit a lot, you know, just because I, I used to do her job basically, but it's okay. It, it's, it's okay. Um, you know, she, she pulls off the egotistical reporter thing pretty well, treats her photographer very poorly, all things I've seen over the years. Uh, but like the things like, you know, when she says things like, you ready to go live? Let's go live. That doesn't work like that. She's a tabloid reporter for a pre-recorded half hour show. She, she ain't going live anytime soon. You know, this is all recorded. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere live. to go live. Like, there's no Facebook here. There's no Instagram live. <laughs> right. In She's not talking to anybody. So to the live. camera's not connected yeah. to the truck. You're not going live yeah. anytime soon. Um, a little cheesy with her stand-ups when she's in front of the camera and everything else. Overall, I've seen a lot worse. I've certainly seen it done a lot better in movies, but I have seen it a lot worse. So I'm not going to pick apart that too much. I think it could have been a little bit better. But again, you know, she's a cheesy tabloid reporter. That's what That's what they were going for. And most people don't work in the industry that watch this movie, so... You know, I'll leave. I'll leave it alone. It, it is a. I mean, she's a parody of the industry, of the news industry. It's almost like you know, she's like the, the heartless. The you know, do anything for the story, go anywhere, do anything. You know, she. It, they make it seem like she's like seducing Dewey to try to get access to things, sure. and then you kind of don't really know what her motivation is for that. And she enters the party. She writes a book. It's just like. It's the typical money hungry journalist, which is just a hilarious parody of what her yeah, it, it, is, especially but. for the time that 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 was that was actually pretty yeah. well done. And the little um, the little makeout scene with her and David Arquette, which kind of came out of nowhere, was kind of fun to see yeah. because, of course, you know the history between them that they were married, divorced. Now I guess they're friends again. Uh, recently, there's a, there's a documentary that David David Arquette just produced and did about his life that um, is pretty good. It, it, I yeah. check it out. Isn't it? It's called Everybody Hates David Arquette, and he became a professional wrestler, former WCW champion, yeah, former former World Championship Wrestling uh, a champion, uh, David Arquette, and and that yep. really hurt his career very very badly. And so he he kind of goes in that in documentary. Anyway, I like him. I think he's a good yeah. guy. Can I tell you the one thing? The one thing that I think, if you changed it, the movie would just make a lot okay, more sense. There, you would take out a lot of the holes. The gun. The gun is the worst part of the movie because 
it's almost like they forgot the whole scene forgets where the gun came from like they get the gun and then they forgot that the gun came from dewey so that is a that it that's a variable that the killers didn't expect to happen. They didn't expect Dewey to ha- to come in. And they didn't expect uh, Nev Campbell's character to take the gun and then to try to use it again. You know, there's there's a lot of variables there. But then when they're doing the big monologue, they uh, they talk about how they were going to use the gun to frame Nev Campbell's father, who's been missing this right. whole time, um, and to say that he did it and he went crazy and. They were going to make it look like a suicide and and all that has its own issues because like obviously like forensics could usually catch that and you know but we don't have to even get no, into that no. the point is that they've been stabbing people this whole time a gun comes in and they act like the gun's been in there the whole time and that that's how they've been doing this whole thing and it also ignores the fact that they've hung at least two people so why would you use the gun to simulate the suicide and not, you know, that when it just seemed like there was an easy way out. You could still write the scene. The yeah. Same why involve way, a gun? Why, why involve a, a whole new weapon? Also, there was that, no that, Yeah. That's convoluted. None. That doesn't make a lot of sense, except the member of the safety that time you is a pretty good line. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is when Billy Loomis gets taken into the, he, he gets taken into the police department, he gets arrested. Um, early in the movie because he shows up after the killer attacked right after another another little little clue for you right after and Matthew Lillard was there as well a short time right after that was another that was a good scene actually when when she's attacked in her house and he shows up way too fast where he couldn't have possibly been the killer right and then Matthew Lillard's out front there you go there's your movie there's your there's your spoiler that that reveals it right there anyway Dewey David Arquette takes Loomis in and he's got a lawyer with him, and they've 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 confiscated the cell phone. And the and the chief of police there says, "Well, we're on it. We're on top of uh, getting all the data off this cell phone and, and finding out who's been who's been calling who here. We don't. We, <laughs> there's no resolution to that. I mean, what a crack team of investigators there. But there's no. I mean, they could have probably figured. I'm, I'm assuming. I don't know much about 1996 cell phones, but they probably could have figured." They could have got some data and figured that out, right? I mean, there's not a ton of cell phones, so it's like there's not many. They could have to go pulled through. the data off, and they could have found the numbers that it. They could have found that that cell phone had been calling the houses of the murdered kids, right? Easy. Yeah, easy, easy. Um, and the one thing Doesn't that I did, didn't like about the uh, the scene where he does show up after the killer is gone is he just hold her, holds her. She's like, he, uh, Nev Campbell goes, oh, he's here. And he goes, no, no, he's gone. And doesn't look, doesn't, like, even if you're a killer. <laughs> no, no, he's gone. And you're dating this woman. <laughs> you're going to at I believe least you, open Billy. the door and be like. I believe you, Billy. Thanks for saving me, Billy. We're, oh, he's gone. Oh, cool. You didn't yeah. look. You didn't even attempt. You just climbed in my window and then magically poofed the guy away. <laughs> right. So I thought that was right. like. Oh, yeah. That's probably where. You know, that's where it kind of gave it away that he's probably yeah, the guy. yeah that was a lot of these well, or, other or he's are. involved. I mean, it was too that was pretty yeah. obvious, but still fun. It it didn't take away from it. Do you have anything else? Any other? Yeah. Any other? Uh, could have made it. Could have been better. Could have made it better. What doesn't hold up? Um, I the one of one of the things that I really liked, 
and this is so stupid. This is probably just me. But when she's in the truck and he just holds up the keys, like he's got the keys. I just thought, I thought that was such a cool moment. Cause like, it's like, Oh, how did you even think yeah. of that? Like that's such a, like a old school TV moment, but it's just like, man, like that. that I thought that was I like that cool. too. Um, yeah. Just that, that one is it's, yeah, that that was one of the last things I had just because I thought like, I liked a lot. Of, I tell you what, Nick, I liked a lot of stuff in that party scene, the party house scene. Yeah. Uh, I think the idea that Rose McGowan goes out to get beers out of the fridge, everybody needs a new beer, right? And uh, that's where she meets yeah. her demise with the garage door. Nobody went to go check on where's my beer, <laughs> where, you know, where's the blonde, where's the blonde chick that was supposed to get us beer? Hey, someone want to go out and check on her? We we she's not discovered out there in the garage until about twenty minutes later. Nobody thought, hey, man, I'm empty. You empty? Yeah. <laughs> want to go out there and you know, see how she's That's doing? That's what I'm worried about. Where's yeah, my beer? exactly. Nobody went to go, nobody went got, to go check? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's, that's definitely, that's definitely that, a flaw. That's a There's flaw. that. Nobody ever saw her because they wanted the big reveal. They wanted her to see her when she jumps out the window, which, again, works. It works a lot better. But I'm just saying, you know, that realistically speaking, if I'm at a party like that, you know, I'm already empty and, you know, I don't know. An hour goes by. <laughs> an hour or so goes by, and I haven't gotten my beer. I'm at least going to go out in the garage and check, you know. So yeah, uh, it's it's fine. I'll go get my own beer. No yeah, big no, deal. I got it. It's all good. Anyone else need one? I don't know what she must have got preoccupied. Yeah. No big deal. I'll take care of it. Uh, that's all. That's really all I had. I I I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna throw this one under the bus. I give it a solid on the James Tully scale. Um, the four star scale. It's a solid three out of four for me. Solid three out of four. Really enjoyed it. So many, and it was funny too. And, and and Matt Lillard at the end when he goes fully psychotic, you know, he's like, I'm, you know, you get, they stab each other to try and, you know, it's so, just so stupid. They, they stab each other to, you know, because they they really are dumb. Both of them are, are really not the yeah. brightest in the in the movie, but they want to, you know, try and set up the the crime scene. And uh, he's like, I'm getting a little getting a little woozy, man. And then uh, the other part where he gets clocked, and he clocks from the back of the head with a phone, and he. And he screams out and says says something. This will be the part where I play that scene. It's all it's all he plays it for laughs, and it and it and it works. Yeah. it really works. His whole performance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was watching him, you know, Nick early in the movie, and I was thinking with you know with Matt Lillard. I'm, I only knew him as Shaggy again from the Scooby Doo movies. I'm like, boy, a bit years later, he looks back. This is just a little embarrassed because he was just kind of he's a little goofy. He was making some weird faces and everything else. And at the end, he he's he's a, he's a psycho, full fledged psycho. I'm like, okay, yeah. no, it was a good performance. It was good. And he was funny. Yeah. And I think it was almost like drawing you in. Like, it's kind of making you look back and be like, oh, why didn't I? Because you don't really think of him the whole movie. Like, he's just a sidebar character that barely exists. Mm -hmm. He's the comic relief for most of it. So, but when you look back and you see his facial expressions and just the weird things he does with his mouth and like his eyes, you're just like, why didn't I think of him like this whole time? So I feel like that maybe that's, that's kind of like, the look back to kind of question yourself and, and be like, ah, oh, like everybody's going to think it's the boyfriend. Everybody's going to think it's Skeet Ulrich. But to add in the other person, and and that also makes a lot of the stuff believable because like a lot of the stuff happens really fast. And if you're one person doing all this, you know, to get Drew Barrymore hung in the tree and, and to drag her and, you know, it's, it's much easier to do with two people, you know, hitting for both sides and, and, helping set up i think that that makes it a lot more believable throughout the movie like oh okay well that makes a little bit more sense that makes a little bit more sense. yeah and again it holds up upon rewatch and it makes the movie 
you know, a lot better the second, third time you see it because you know it's coming, but you can read into different things and you understand there's some depth here. Mm-hmm. Those are the best movies, the ones that have that have those layers, those layers of depth, mm-hmm. and that certainly has it. Scream, Absolutely. thank you, Nick, because without you, I would have definitely never, probably ever watched this movie. This has been Off the Set with James Tully.